0: you have heard the Bob Dylan song, Gotta Serve Somebody? Yeah? yeah? I heard a Oh yeah. <laughs> that was good. So this song, I don't, I'm not a Dylan expert by any means, but evidently it was written during a time when his music had an especially strong religious emphasis. Um, he, in, in the song, if you know this if you've heard it, but in case you haven't, he names many types of people. So He says, you might be a state trooper or you might be a young Turk. (laughs) You may be rich or poor. You may be a construction worker working on a home or living in a mansion. But in every case, after these types of people, the chorus goes, you're going to have to serve somebody. Yes, indeed. You're going to have to serve somebody. Well, it may be the devil or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. I learned in my brief reading that John Lennon, who had respected Dylan up until this point, was so angry with him for writing such Christian lyrics that he responded by writing a song he never released called Serve Yourself. (laughs) Seriously. This is a choice that we always have to make as people. Uh, If you're a Christian or you're not a Christian at all, There is always a choice that you make every moment of your life, every day, who you are going to serve. We don't have a choice not to serve someone. This is an interesting thing in our passage in Exodus. The Lord is teaching His people how they are going to remember this event of His salvation. And He says, I want you to keep this service every year. And that word for service is the same word for their slavery in Egypt. (laughs) Why would God use a word that conjures up such awful memories to describe how they're going to live after their slavery? The Lord is saying to them, you're human, you're going to have to serve someone, but serving me will be very different than the service that you've been experiencing. The service to me is actually going to be a kind of freedom, whereas the service you've been rendering is only slavery. So what I wanted to talk to you about this morning is the difference between serving God, the true God, and serving other gods. And other gods, by other gods, I mean anything or anyone besides the true God. We think today that we don't serve other gods, but actually we do, whether those be money or politics or sex or whatever it may be. We all have our things that we're vulnerable to serving every day other than the true God. You are the only one who can discern those things within your heart, and you need to be open to asking others to hold you accountable that you don't serve false gods. You need to be humble enough to where you submit your life to other people and ask them, do you see me serving God's other than the true God? But you have to discern that. Who are you serving? Now, I'm mainly going to look at Paul's letter, first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1. So if you'd like to turn there, um, I'm going to be coming back to that in a moment. But I'm also going to draw from Exodus and the Gospel as well. And I need to set the stage for us a bit. I want you to think for a moment about the nation of Israel. Israel was chosen by God so that he could reveal himself to the world through them. Okay? We're in the church, we're in the season of Epiphany which means revealing, God revealing himself to all the world. Now, this is God's pattern of how he reveals himself to people. He chooses someone or a people, and his choosing of one person or of people is not so that he can exclude other people. It's the exact opposite, actually. He chooses a nation or a people so that he can use them to reveal himself to others. So this is what God, God did this with Israel. He's now doing it in the church. Listen, if you are a Christian, that means that God has chosen you. And the reason he's done that, one of the biggest reasons he's done that is so that he can work in you, that he can make you more into his image and use you to reveal himself to others. Think about the people that you have the chance to be around in your life. Friends, family members, co-workers, people who do not know God. One of the reasons He's chosen you if you're a Christian is so that He can love people through you, reveal Himself to people through you. Church of the Lamb, this is why we're a church, so that He can reveal Himself to others in our community through us. So God chose Israel to reveal Himself to the world, but then This is what's so mind-boggling to me. For the most formative experience that Israel would ever have, what did God do? He sent them to Egypt and left them in slavery for hundreds of years. Are you kidding me? Why in the world would God do this? They would serve a man named Pharaoh who saw himself as a god. And they would suffer. Why would God do this? This is a mystery. I'm not going to fully answer it or satisfy your questions if you have them. But here's what it seems like is a major reason. To prepare Israel for their mission to reveal God to the world, it's as if God sent them to Egypt to say, here is what it's like to serve other gods. This is what it's like to serve other gods. It is a brutal form of slavery. And what I'm going to do with you, Israel, I want to do with uh, the whole world. What I'm going to do with you, I want to do with the whole world. I want to deliver the whole world from slavery. So I'm going to do this with you first. I'm going to show you what it's like to serve false gods. I'm going to rescue you and then I want you to be my witness to the, uh, to the rest of the world of what it means to serve the true God. So God does this with Israel. Everything He does with Israel, His deliverance and also the laws that He gives them after his, their deliverance, it's to deliver them from slavery and it's to help them to bear witness to what it means to be a people that serves the true God. A God of love and mercy, a God of kindness to the nations. Listen, in in Egypt, uh, Israel is treated harshly, aren't they? But when they're rescued, God tells them, I want you to be merciful to the strangers who travel among you. And he always tells them, Remember, you were slaves in Egypt. You don't want people to be, you don't want to treat people the way that you were treated, do you? That was awful. And so God is teaching Israel. What it means to serve the true God versus a false God. So, Egypt is not just a historical event for some people. It it, it was that, but that's not all it is. Egypt was a spiritual reality for all people. Listen, whether you're a Christian or or not, again, the story of Exodus is a story that is true for you. You're in slavery. All of us have forms of slavery, and we need to be rescued by God repeatedly. We need to be rescued and delivered from all the false gods that we choose to serve who trick us, and we struggle to get free from them on our own. Now, for the next few minutes, I want to draw on Paul's letter to the Corinthians to show several differences, crucial differences between serving God and serving other gods, and the reason I want to do this is to encourage you and to ask you, are you serving the true God with all your life, or are there blind spots in your life where you are submitting yourself to a false God? So the first difference is that other gods keep you as a slave, but the true God calls you to be a saint. Listen to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified or set apart in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Egypt is a picture of following false gods, any God other than the true God. And in Egypt, Israel's slavery kept getting worse and worse. Pharaoh wanted more and more from them, but he gave them less and less to accomplish it. You remember this? He he tells them to make these bricks, but he gives them less and less to do it with, but keeps raising the standards for how much they're to produce. This is what false gods do to you. They ask more and more of you, but they give you less and less. In short, here's what false gods do. They demean you as a human being. They make you into less and less of a human being. But the true God, here's the, is the opposite, the true God dignifies you. False gods demean you, but the true God dignifies you. God sets you apart for himself. He consecrates you for special service, and he makes you into one of his holy ones, his saints. You see, this is what's happening in Egypt in the passage that was read for us. Um, The Israelites have been having their children destroyed by Pharaoh. You remember this? He is literally destroying their future by killing their own children. God tells the Israelites, I'm going to rescue you. Don't kill your children. Take a lamb and put its blood over your doorpost. Now, what this means is that he is consecrating them for service. Each of their houses is becoming a little temple in which they are being prepared to serve the true God. And then the true God Instead of Pharaoh, like Pharaoh who takes away things for you to do his work, the true God gives you everything you need to carry out his work. This is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. Paul says, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in him. In all speech and knowledge, So that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Pharaoh, as I said, was considered a god in Egypt. The problem is that false gods always have a scarcity mindset. And what I mean by that is there will never be enough. And so they lord it over you. There's never going to be enough money. And so you have to keep getting and getting. You have to be greedy to get enough. But with the true God, there is always enough, and he doesn't withhold anything from you. He gives you everything that you need to do the work that he gives you to do as his child. The only thing to do is to be in a posture of receiving from him always. And God, unlike Pharaoh and false gods, is always relationally committed to his people. Paul writes in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians, God is faithful whom you were called into the fellow, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, when you follow the Lord Jesus, you increase in dignity because you're loved. You're loved by him. And when you receive that love, it makes you more and more tr- as a true person confident in being loved and held. But when you follow false gods, your dignity diminishes because they only care about what they can get from you. So false gods, whether they be money, reputation, power, sex, whatever false god you are vulnerable to, they demean you. But the true God, He dignifies you. And so which of those do you find is happening to you? Are you becoming more dignified as a human being because of the love that you're receiving from the true God? Or are you be- being demeaned as a human being, not living into your full worth because you are following after false gods? If you are following after false gods, I want to assure you, God's desire, just like it was with Israel, his desire is to deliver you and to set you free. Now, this, that, this is the first difference between serving God and false gods. God dignifies you, the true God. False gods demean you. The second difference between serving the true God and other gods is that the true God unites you with others while false gods seek to divide you against others. Okay, this is what happened in Israel. Pharaoh put more and more labor on the Israelites and they were overwhelmed and it divided them against each other. When the Lord seeks to rescue them, He calls them to work together as a nation for the first time. Do something together. I want to rescue you and you're going to have to work together to do that. And this is what the Lord does through Jesus as well. But He works across peoples, and nations. So listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 2. To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not called to be saints at Church of the Lamb by ourselves. We're called to be saints with Christians in every place who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. We're not called to be saints only with other Anglicans. We're called to be saints with Christians in every place of every tribe who call on the name of the Lord Jesus. So I realize that the church right now seems to be just as divided as the rest of the world. I don't think we're under any allusions to that. Many people would suggest that the church is actually part of the problem in the larger divisions of our world. The biggest point I want to make here is that the true nature of the church is unity. I realize the church doesn't always live in that unity, and for that we should always confess and grieve. But the true nature of the church is unity around the Lord Jesus Christ. When the church is being itself, it is unified around the Lord Jesus Christ. But the true nature of false gods, hear me, is always division. The true nature of false gods is always division. So while people may rally around a social or political cause for a time, without the true God, unity will always dissolve into division. I can't help but think, uh, and sorry to bring politics into it, did you guys see that it took like 15 rounds to get a house speaker in the last couple of weeks? That's not a problem of one party. It's not. when you commit to a false god, it will always lead to division against one another. And while it may appear that there is unity for a time in one party, in one tribe or or cause, that unity will eventually dissolve. And so, yes, I realize the church is not always unified as it should be, but the true nature of the church is unity. And when it pursues the Lord Jesus, it will find hints of that unity over and over again. And in the end, it will truly be united around the Lord Jesus across uh, tongue and nation, across all things. But the true nature of a false God will always be division, it will always be division. This is the second difference between serving the true God and other gods is that a true God unites you with others while false gods divide you. I want to encourage you as Church of the Lamb seek unity with your brothers and sisters. Not just here but across churches. Lastly, a third and final difference is that false gods leave you guilty. Oh, wow. (laughs) we got a call. Sorry. Um, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to wait for that one. (laughs) That is okay. That's okay. Um, Again, the third and final difference is that false gods will leave you guilty while the true God makes you clean. This is verse 8 of 1 Corinthians 1. He, being the Lord, will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Pharaoh had no concern for the people of Israel, none. He would leave them to die. He would destroy their future. False gods have no concern for your future. They are only concerned for what they can get from you. The true God loves you, and he wants to forgive you of all the ways that you need his mercy and his forgiveness. Jesus has become for us the Lamb of God who takes away our sin, and His blood is applied to our lives to cover us, cleanse us, and save us from the sin that wishes to destroy us. You know, the the Bible has this language of wrath, and sometimes we as Christians are concerned about that, especially in our world. You know, the, the idea of wrath is that God is actually just revealing what your sin does to you. He is revealing what your sin does to you. So the plagues in Egypt, he is fast-forwarding for Egypt what will happen because of all their false worship, because of all their evil deeds. If you're going to kill people's children, your whole river is going to become a river of blood. our sin, Uh, Christian, non-Christian, our our sin will eat us alive. It will undo us if we let it. And what God wishes to do with us is to cover us with His own mercy and love, to become the Lamb whose blood covers over our sin and and to remove that sin from us and to lead us in a way of life and freedom. And so, are you regularly acknowledging your need for the Lord Jesus to cleanse you and heal you of your sin? We all need it. You know, some of our sins are more quiet. They're the respectable kind of sin. People don't see them as easily. Others of us, our sins are more obvious. We're out there, you know. We, we have no shame. Well, we might have shame, but They're still more easily recognizable. But as it's been said, the ground is level at the foot of the cross. The ground is level at the foot of the cross. Whether your sin is more respectable or less respectable, all of us need mercy and forgiveness from the Lord Jesus. And for whatever kind of sinner you are, Jesus is the Lamb of God who wishes to cover your sin. Who are you serving? Are you serving the true God who wishes to dignify you, unite you with His people, and cleanse you of your sin? Or are you serving other gods? If you're willing, He wants to deliver you. And He wants to bring you fully into His freedom. We all do have to serve somebody. Who are you serving? Even if you're a Christian, are there things that you need to, or ways that you need to stop serving false gods in your life? I'm sure there are. There are for all of us. Won't you turn to the Lord in every way that you need to and ask him to help you? And then if you're not a Christian, will you hear the invitation of Jesus himself? Not of me, of Jesus asking you to come to him so that he can cover your sin and forgive you and make you his. Amen.